episode 160, Strength and Conditioning Kinetic Therapies. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trostler, and today we are Dr. Jackson Tisdall's perspective. During 2017 and 18, podcast awards-nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Thanks for tuning in. It's September. The NFL has started this weekend. College football has started. And social distancing is still in effect. Regardless of your politics, I know it's about to get crazy over the next 60 days. So good luck with all those political ads. But Dr. Jackson here, he doesn't have to worry about that because he's all the way from Australia. He's a podiatrist. And we're going to talk about strength and conditioning and how that looks for a podiatrist. Top three conditions that he treats, for instance, like plantar fasciitis and forefoot pain, misconceptions about orthotics, for instance. And he, he's partnered up with someone else for this educational thing called kinetic therapies. As you can imagine, it's going to deal with conditioning and strengthening and lectures and things like that so that you can actually take the information and implement it into your clinic. It's not just for athletes. This could just be for someone who's maybe overweight has a bad foot and knee, and can't walk across the house to go to the bathroom. What do you do? So he's a young guy, but he's had a lot of experience before podiatry school and during, and he's had some amazing mentors in his niche. So he's, I think, beyond uh, the years that he actually has. So that's pretty cool. want to let you know, a couple of months now, I actually finally put the acupuncture, if you want to call it acupressure, book on Amazon. It is selling nicely, but not enough reviews. So if you bought it, leave a review. And this is something, you know, I mentioned it a good bit, but the reason is if you're a doctor and these patients need something that they want to do at their house, self-care type of thing, this is an option for them to try in between your visits. Okay. You can go to a doctorsperspective.net slash ACP Amazon, ACP Amazon. Lastly, one thing I've noticed from some guests lately, and this is a few months at this point, are one sheets. It's pretty much just a synopsis of your credentials, your accomplishments, your past speaking engagement, as well as topics that you feel like you are an expert at so that a local business organization, another podcast would read it and say, oh, I want this person on my show, on my stage. I'm doing those graphic design, putting it together for you so you don't have to. It's actually on Fiverr. You just search um, my name or direct message me and I can just bypass Fiverr and uh, talk to you directly. So all the show notes and the transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 160. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany and Melbourne, Australia, today on the show, we've got a podiatrist. And he is a super into strength and conditioning. He's got several different jobs because that's how they roll. And uh, currently, they're on lockdown, but hey, they're essential. So that's a pretty awesome thing. Uh, please welcome to the show, Jackson Tisdall. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. Really excited. Yeah, pre-show, we are just chatting about current situation. Uh, everyone in I know is, is talking about second wave is going to hit probably around election <laughs> for us. Uh, I'm in Germany, but you know, I still affiliate with America. It's good to see that you were able to socialize, that you're able to actually provide a service and that Australia respects what you do. And if I'm not mistaken, though, you're not called doctors there, correct? Uh, no, no. Well, technically we are, we are doctors. We're allowed to use the term doctors, but, but we generally, generally don't. Okay. 
I mixed you up with the United Kingdom. They're like, no, be careful, Justin. Don't say those words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't get me in trouble. (laughs) It is a a topic of of debate, but um, we could talk about that all day, so we won't won't go into it. (laughs) No problem. Well, as a chiropractor, there's a lot of people that say we should not be called doctors. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, well, back to you. All right, podiatry. There's so many things that you could do. And you chose that. So what's kind of your backstory? And then you can bridge it if you'd like into your specialty and where you are now. Yeah, for sure. So I, I got into podiatry. Um, well, my first exposure to podiatry was when I saw a podiatrist as a youngster, um, which is really, really a common story that you hear from podiatrists. They, they saw a podiatrist when they were younger. Um, and I, I had some foot and leg issues uh, coming through as a, as a junior athlete. And that got me interested in, in the whole sports and, and podiatry and physio, that side of things. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, until it was literally I was lying in bed one night and I had a light bulb moment. It just clicked in my head. I was like, I'm going to do podiatry. And then the next day I got into podiatry. It was, it was uh, yeah, <laughs> really cool. So why, why did I decide to choose it? It's just, yeah, I, I guess, based on my own history of, of injuries and being frustrated with not being able to play my sport and that sort of thing and how that really affected me. And I developed a bit of a, a passion and an interest in um, rehabilitating myself and getting myself back stronger to playing, playing sports. So, and I, I really, like really got interested in it and was doing like my own sort of research and studying and that sort of stuff without, without being a podiatrist. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to study this properly. I'm going to make this a career. So my area of specialty within, within podiatry is in strength and conditioning and, and rehabilitations, prescribing exercises to get people stronger and more mobile. And because that's where I see the real value in what we do is making people a bit more proactive in their approach to their healthcare and being, being strong and resilient um, and not, and not so much us providing them with, with treatment, but us actually educating them and building their strength so that they don't need ongoing treatment. That's where I see the future of healthcare based around strength and exercise. So I had a series a while back, I guess last year, Pure Podiatry. We covered lots of different um, niches, if you will. Yes. So are you still doing like reconstructive ankle sprains and Achilles tears? And do you find yourself doing surgeries? Are you kind of doing more of like the physical therapy style of podiatry? Yeah, definitely more just physical therapy and and biomechanics and orthotics. Podiatrists in Australia don't do um, major surgeries. We do we do minor surgeries. Yeah, any reconstructive stuff goes to the to the orthopedic surgeons. So in, I think in other countries, like in the states, for example, they're all podiatrists there are surgeons, but no, in, not not in Australia. So yeah, I'm very much, okay. very much just focused on the um, rehabilitation and 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 biomechanics, orthotics, strength in the gym, um, that sort of stuff. Okay. For lower limb problems. Did you find it difficult to find a career in doing that if you were trying to get a job instead of starting your own place? Like, are they like, ah, we kind of need you to do all the other podiatry stuff as well? Or how's that play out? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I was I was pretty lucky when I first graduated as a podiatrist. I, I got a, a job in a clinic that only did sports podiatry. So um, they only did rehabilitation and, and biomechanics. So um, I didn't I didn't have to do anything else like cutting toenails or anything, which was really 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 good. So that was a really good start to my career. But it is it is quite rare to find that. But as you as you go on through your career, generally in Australia, you do start to 
uh, sort of uh, niche down and find your specialty sort of area. Once you get a bit more experience and exposure, you get to figure out what you like and then you can develop your your own sort of interest area. I'm going to ask you more about your strength and conditioning. Yes. Do you ever wonder, mm, boy, in 20 years, I'm not going to have that skill anymore that I went to school for? Is that concerning at all? Uh, what do you mean by that exactly? So I'm not going to – I'm going to forget general podiatry stuff. Yeah, like if you're like, man, I'm really not into this anymore. <laughs> you know, just if something happened, you're like, I need to switch gears. Uh, I'm getting old or maybe you had an injury and you're like, I really can't get as physical as I should be. Obviously, you could hire other people, but yep. you ever wondered like, oh, man, I'm not going to have that skill anymore? Uh, not not really. I think if you, you know, I, I keep pretty fit and active myself. If, and I guess the coaching side of things, you like you don't you don't have to necessarily get super involved in the session you can just um you know do a quick demonstration and then coach the athletes through it it depends depends on depends on the athlete as to how much you actually have to demonstrate to them um depends on what level they're at but no don't worry about that i'm pretty fit and active and healthy so um and i enjoy getting in the gym myself and and running and that sort of thing so i think i'll be okay yeah you look fit (laughs) uh he he looks fit everybody you can't see him (laughs) so what do you prescribe to? Is there any special technique or seminars or uh, anything like that that you've taken to say this is my foundation for my strength and conditioning? And then from there, we just modify based on the person's specific needs? Yeah, for sure. So I've, I've been a coach outside of podiatry for um, a couple of years now. What's a coach mean in Australia? So like a, like a strength and conditioning coach, okay. like, a, like a, yeah, out on the track, speed and agility type stuff as well and in the gyms and stuff. I've done that for a couple of years. Um, I was working underneath a, a really, really good coach in Sydney, Renelle Hobson, and she taught me a lot as far as the, the basics of athletic development and feed and agility and injury prevention. So um, I did have some practical experience in that regard. But then I, then I did do a, a more formal course with the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. So I, so I was actually officially qualified as a, as a strength and conditioning coach, which was good. And then, yeah, I've done a few other sort of yeah, course, online courses and stuff like that to, to learn a few skills. But I think most of the knowledge you develop as a coach is, is practical. And, and that actual, the art of coaching, it comes from being sort of involved in coaching yourself. You can't, you can't learn that from um, any books or anything like that. So um, yeah, practical experience is what I what I draw upon, and I'm still um, still learning as I go and and getting some more experience. Once these lockdowns are over, we'll be, I'll be doing a lot more coaching. So it's good. Are you recording videos of the most common things you'd recommend, and just having them go to YouTube or whatever to watch that, since it's kind of more difficult for them? Or what are you doing? At the moment, there is a bit more. We've got a bit more time on our hands to do some. Uh, more social media content and and developing uh yeah videos and that sort of thing i do have a youtube channel but it's only relatively new i am posting some more videos and and just information on social media for people and um, we do do with our clients as well we do offer a online coaching service and, and, and like um online podiatry as well so um sort of yeah just online consultations through telehealth which is which has been okay. We can, yeah, certainly if people can't come to see us, we can do that um, as well through the lockdowns, which has been helpful. Yeah, I am trying to produce a lot more videos and social media and marketing, marketing and that sort of thing at the moment, which keeps which keeps me busy, which is good. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I've got downtime sometimes at work, and I'm like, I should just record these videos of the most common exercises I give all day and just kind of categorize them and just say, okay. 
Yeah. Here's this link. Go to YouTube. I'm not going to make money off of these videos. There's not going to be that many views. But that way, they feel like there's something that they can watch after they leave the office. It's like, wait, what did he say to do again? How did he do it? Yeah. You know, it just seems to be helpful. Just, I'll just add to that. What, what I find most helpful is if they're coming into the clinic uh, or, the, or the gym and you're showing them through the exercise and then they have to go off on their own and do it. I actually like to, to film them doing it. So I get, I get their phone and I film them doing it. So then they can just watch themselves back doing it. And that's, that's probably more meaningful to them rather than sending them a, a YouTube link, for example. So yeah, give that a try. <laughs> it's quick and easy. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. With the experience that you have now, do you wonder if being a podiatrist was necessary and you could have just been a strength and conditioning coach? I definitely, yeah, definitely think podiatry was necessary. Um, and I, I've definitely found sort of a, a niche area within podiatry. So that's really cool. So having that podiatry degree, university degree behind me and, and because podiatry is a, it's always going to be in, in demand sort of thing. Like it's a, it's a medical service. So um, if we can, if I'm working within a medical field and then, um, if I can bring strength and conditioning t- within the medical field, then, um, yeah, that's going to, that's going to make it more enjoyable for me. But definitely having that degree behind me and, and the, being a podiatrist is, is really beneficial. Yeah, no, no regrets there at all. And def, definitely necessary, okay. definitely necessary to get me to, to where I want to be and where I am today. So do you find that you have to look beyond the foot and ankle for a lot of the conditioning? Like, mm-hmm. yes, your foot hurts, but it goes in your calf, it goes to your knee. Now you got a hip involved. I mean, yeah. you just have to look at the whole picture or what? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my biggest sort of philosophies with, with what I do, especially, especially if someone has single sided foot pain. So if they've only got pain on their right foot and not their left, then there's, there's a reason behind that. Um, so you have to look further up the chain towards the hip and the core muscles. And um, that's, that's what I like to do and find, and I address that. We want to always address the, the cause of the issue, not just the, the issue itself, we want to get to the bottom of it so that it doesn't come back long term. So um, I definitely have a big emphasis on hip and core muscle strength and stability um, when it comes to looking at the foot and ankle. So, yeah, definitely, which is something that podiatrists are starting to hopefully learn a little bit more about and start to incorporate into their practice, which gets better long term results if you look more holistically at the, at the patient. What's that your top three, I guess, foot injuries that you have to rehabilitate? I'd say plantar fasciitis and just heel pain in general is the biggest one. Um, obviously, a lot of bunion pain and, and first MTPJ, you know, forefoot pain. I'll, I'll just collectively say forefoot four pain. So we get a lot of, you know, plantar plate tears, Morton's neuromas, um, first MTPJ pain, um, bunions, that sort of thing. Um, and then probably bone stress injuries. So um, either medial tibial stress syndrome or, or shin splints. Um, and, and stress fractures of the foot, they're common ones that I see as well. Anything simple for a chiropractor, a physical therapist? I mean, should we just run to some kind of foot orthotic or just, you know, because we always treat a little bit of feet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything that we should go to and we say, hey, you know what, this is out of my scope now. A little plantar fasciitis has just started, you know, typically we can take care of that a little bit. But at what point should we say to ourselves, you know, this is past me, let's pass them on to a podiatrist? You, I think that's that's a really good question, and it's something that I've previously thought a little bit stronger on. Like I've been like, no, you shouldn't. Chiropractors shouldn't treat feet, you know. But that um, that's obviously not. That's just not true and not realistic. I think I think I think you'll just know. You'll just know yourself if you're starting to go outside of your clinical scope. If you feel like you're 
trying to come up with answers and you're not sure about them yourself, then that's when that's when you need to refer on. Or if there's something if there's something maybe perhaps more biomechanically related to specific to the foot and ankle that hasn't been covered in your Cairo training and yeah I, th- I think that's when you should refer on but I really think that that you'll just know and and if, if you find yourself trying to sort of make something up to answer a question or if you're trying to you know just give something to them to sell them something to make money like that's that's not right you need to um yeah you need to understand when it's outside of your scope and it's the same with us right if say for example podiatrists they we're essentially lower limb specialists so we so we know the entire lower limb but the amount of detail we know about the knee for example isn't as much as a as a physical therapist or a fit or a physiotherapist so if someone has a knee issue that i think is related to their foot or their mechanics then i'll then i'll happily treat that knee issue by looking at their foot and their hips within my scope of practice but if someone has like a a more chronic knee injury or something like that um, where i'm going to need to go deep into what's happening at the knee then i'll just refer them to a physiotherapist i won't i won't tackle that so i think that the, with the more experience you get as well you, you you tend to understand when you're going outside of your own clinical boundaries I like that. If I saw a bunch of bunions on the foot, I'd be like, no, that's not for me, man. I, need that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Sure. Get out of here. Uh, here's a question I really haven't asked recently. I guess that we got so caught up in everybody else's uh, great answers that uh, just skip this question. But for you, I think I actually want to ask it. What are some of the most common misconceptions that either other professionals have or that your patients are having with podiatry and with your particular niche? Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Hey, so obviously the big one for the podiatry profession in general is that people think that we only cut toenails or we only look after hard skin and callus and corns and that's what... Diabetes. Yeah, yeah, diabetes. That's generally what people think the podiatry profession is when that's... that. Yes, that forms the, the core and the, the basis of, of what we do and that's sort of um, the stereotype, but uh, we do a hell of a lot more and there's so many different things we can help people with not only elderly clients who need nail and skin care but um, we work with athletes as well so with their with their foot mechanics and their performance and and their injury management um, so that's that's probably the biggest misconception from the general public and and possibly from other, from other professionals as well other things like such as pain equals injury so if if you're in pain it means that you're causing damage or that you're injured and people People don't understand the um, complexity of pain science and pain, which is which is a really big topic in itself, which we could talk all day about. But yeah, pain is not always the enemy. So I like to explain to people that they are allowed to push through their pain a little bit with some of the some of the exercises and things like that, and they don't have to rest. Say for example, with with back pain, for example, you wouldn't tell someone to just lie in bed all day, which has been the the traditional sort of model of, of um, getting people to rest their injuries when we know that movement and exercise is is really important especially for like the Achilles tendon um, with Achilles tendonitis and that sort of thing they it responds really well to load and strengthening and not rest rest is not going to be the answer so that's a really big one um, another really big one that's probably going to be relevant to your listeners is is around orthotics so what what orthotics actually do and um, who needs orthotics? That's a really complex, highly uh, debatable topic. The conception that orthotics, you know, realign the skeleton and they, uh, yeah, they make you function normally or they make your foot function 
uh, neutral and that sort of thing. That's that's not true at all. What orthotics do is they they actually just manage loads and they reduce tissue stress. So they're used as a they're used as a tool in the rehab process to help maybe perhaps speed things up a little bit or or make life a bit more comfortable for you. But they don't actually um, change the way you're aligned or anything like that. They they just they're just a tool and not everyone needs them. And a lot of people who have orthotics, when we give them orthotics, they can actually go out of their orthotics once they've built up enough strength in their own body and they're over their injury, then they don't need those orthotics ever again. So a few common misconceptions there. I tell you, I haven't seen so many orthotics in my life than I have in this country. It's just like, oh, you got a short leg. Let's put a let's put a lift in for you. Yeah, yeah. Have they addressed anything else? And it's not from a podiatrist. It's like, man. So half the time, you know, you, you get them balanced out and everything, and they just they don't need them anymore. It's like, guys, did you dig deep at all? Sometimes it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the difference, depending on what kind of doctor you go to. Yeah, yeah. It's a frustrating one, but it's um, yeah. Do you have any apps that you use um to like record athletes in like a slow mo running or um mm-hmm. you know the way they're loading or unloading on their stressing their feet when they're doing certain exercises to kind of capture it and analyze or anything like that? Um, not, none in particular I can think of off the top of my head. Like I do film, um, gait analysis and running gait and that sort of thing. Um, but I can usually just, once it's on my phone, I can just like slow it down and have a look at it on the, on just the iPhone. I don't have any particular software that I use. Sorry, tech guys. Yeah. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I just use my camera on my phone and film it and watch it back and slow it down if I need to. Um, there is a couple okay. of things that I've used before, but I find it's a bit, nitpicky and okay are we back yeah you can hear me yeah good okay so let's switch gears a little bit what are some of the things that you're doing as far as marketing and if you're not really into that role in your offices uh, we can talk about something else but is there anything that you're doing or your company's doing that works really well so we're, we're really emphasizing and i'm really emphasizing myself for my personal stuff is is social media just producing more i think social media these days is the Producing content on social media is the, the price of sort of relevance and it's the new way of, of marketing in society. Um, cause that's what, that's what everyone's, uh, entrenched in from tech in day, their day to day lives. It's just Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, TikTok now, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, trying to do, trying to do more of that and really emphasizing that. And I think more is better because, uh, so, like quality and quantity. So with the more quantity you produce, that that will then tell you what quality is because you'll get to you'll get a feel of what people engage with and what they enjoy more, and then you can start to just do more of that. Um, so yeah, quality and quantity more and consistency with your with your social media content. Try to be engaging with it and and trying to provide value. So give out useful information to people, not not trying to get people to come and see you in your clinic like don't don't say things like oh come and book an appointment and that sort of stuff because people just back away from that if you rather than doing that just provide value to them that's useful to them then they will that positions you in their mind as an expert so then when they do actually have a problem that they need help with they'll just automatically think of you and book in with you um so it's not it's not about trying to tell them to book in with you because that sounds desperate. You need to um, just give them useful information and provide them with value, and that establishes yourself as an expert. So, um, and and just more is better. More, more, more. It is interesting how many people are afraid to. If I put these exercises or these special things that I've learned over the years on the internet, they're not going to come see me. 
there's gonna be no reason. They can just do everything that I showed them on the phone, you know, on the computer. And it's like, no, that's actually the opposite. Like they're gonna live, trust you, yeah. appreciate what you gave, and if they can't figure it out or they hurt themselves, now they already know. Like, hey, where's? Can I see this person? Oh yeah, we're in the same town. Perfect. Yes. You know exactly what you said. But it's counterintuitive. It's yeah. supposed to keep everything secret. You know. <laughs> no, there's no secrets, especially amongst practitioners as well. Like I. It's good to share information and help each other because, um, you know, it's just it's just good karma, right? It's, it's just good <laughs> to help yeah. be helping each other. Yeah. Do you have to do anything with your staff? Are you in charge of training them or disciplining them or hiring or anything like that? No, no. So um, I'm, I'm an employee. Um, we don't, I don't have any team members underneath me at the moment, but hopefully in the future. I do enjoy mentoring and teaching. I have done like some online like Zoom sessions with um, with some students and and new graduates helping them to navigate through their own sort of journey as a as a podiatrist. So that's been um, really beneficial. So, but not not within the clinic, no. And it's funny. That's the next question is for either new docs or they're changing their their niche or students. Any big advice that you would just say? Hey, these are this is what I would tell anybody right now. Ah, uh, this uh, this this so much. I've I've just done a um a video series on on LinkedIn of like um of new grad tips and there's I'm up I'm up to the thirtieth one now. So I want to keep oh wow I want to keep going until I get to like a hundred ho- hopefully. Um, but I'm running out of ideas though. So <laughs> but I think the biggest the biggest sort of advice would be just just to have self awareness and not not compare yourself to others and not. Yeah, don't compare yourself to others and, and always just compete with yourself. Have self-awareness of where you're at and that success is very subjective. So um, what one person thinks they need to be doing is not what you should be doing. You should you should just worry about you and, um, yeah, that, that sort of thing, all that sort of <laughs> wishy-washy self-awareness sort of motivational stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Headspace. Yeah. Well, I'll put a note in your in the transcript. Uh, or your show notes for your LinkedIn profile. And that way they can uh, either friend request you or just kind of browse through those videos because 30 is a lot of videos. That's a lot of tips already. Yeah. If anybody can think of something that either he uh, just send him an email, send him a message, maybe that can help him out to try to get to 100. That is definitely a milestone. Man, you can do a lot with that when that's done too. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Good. It's good stuff. If any, I, I enjoy helping students and new graduates because um, because I, because I wasn't, a, I was only a student not long ago. Like I've only been graduated for, this is my third year now. So heading towards my fourth year. So yeah, I, I can, I can relate to them and, um, understand where they're, they're coming from with, with their, with their problems. Are you hooked up with any schools or professional or semi-professional teams or anything like that? Uh, not at this point in time. Um, I mean, I, didn't, I used to work with a lot of sporting clubs. But at the moment, I've just moved to a new clinic and we're, um, we're in lockdown and stuff. So, um, it's a bit, di- oh. bit, bit, it's a bit, it's a bit difficult. But no, I'm doing a, um, I'm doing some, a webinar for Western Sydney University, um, on men, on mentorship. Um, that's coming up at the end of this month. That'd be exciting. So how'd you get your feet in the door with all that mentorship and counseling young kids? <laughs> I say young kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> the younger students to do this. What, what, what was that passion for? It started because, I had a student come in to see me in the clinic, like to do some clinical yeah, observation and practice in the They were asking me some questions and I was answering their questions and it was all really simple, basic stuff. And they were like, oh, no one's ever told me that before. Like they didn't, they didn't learn it at university. So I was like, oh, really? So, um, so it just started from there. I started to take on more students and I, and then I started to post my thoughts and opinions and, and, um, advice 
online on LinkedIn and then it just grew from there. So, and, and then just, just doing it, just all I, I just started mentoring people and then posted about it and got myself out there. And then that's what's led to the opportunities I've had. So yeah, nothing, nothing in particular. Just, just start. Just if you want to do something, just start doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. No, three years still being able to do that. That's a, that's pretty cool because some people really want to do that and then they struggle. So that's great. For sure. All right. So Dr. Tisdall, what is this kinetic therapy? I saw it a little bit on LinkedIn. It's intriguing, but it, I didn't dive deep enough into it. I was like, hey, let's interview the guy and just ask. So <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Um, kinetic therapies is um, Talisha Reeve and, and I, um, she's my mentor. She we're, we're developing courses and webinars and resources and that sort of thing for other podiatrists to learn from. So um, all about exercise prescription and, and exercise therapies and movement and, and strength and conditioning for um, lower limb conditions. So, um, yeah, it's an educational company. and We run courses and webinars and things like that. So definitely check us out on Facebook and, and Instagram and that sort of stuff. Um, and then we, we have an online course at the moment that is available on on Ultimate Podiatrist website. So yeah, go go check that out. And yeah, it's educational sort of that sort of thing. I, I really enjoy that as well. What would they get out of that? Kind of some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis that some podiatrists might be like, I don't know anything about it, but that is definitely a, an area I want to develop myself and get some of those clients. So this is one way that they can take some courses and learn this. That's the, is that the point? Yeah, yeah, and and the the main aim of it is to for them to get practical information out. So not just giving them a bunch of you know research and and PowerPoint slides and that sort of thing. We're we're trying to develop and their understanding and their actual skill set and ability to apply exercise therapies and and strength and conditioning in clinical practice. So it's very it's very much focused on practical learning and and being able to interpret information and develop treatment plans um, yourself so we're not just spoon feeding a whole list of exercises and that sort of thing we're developing the students ed, um, education and knowledge on how to apply these things themselves okay like we were talking about earlier the achilles you need to load it don't let it rest yeah you know here's the theory converted into practical yeah and you put, maybe there'll be like a here's a five-step process but like we teach you a process and then you can actually convert that into all these other injuries as well. It's not just for an Achilles or whatever. It's the concept behind it that becomes practical and you can just use all the time. Yeah, definitely. And it's, and it's not, it's never black and white either. Nothing we do in um, strength and conditioning is, is black and white. There's always, always gray areas and highly individual. Um, you should never, you should never give athletes or, or your, your patients the same program. You should always um, find out what they're capable of and and build around them. So we're very much about that, which is an art form. It's a skill in itself. So, um, yeah, the, our courses aim to develop that ability of the practitioner to be able to do that. Would you say it's more for like the beginner athlete or all the way up into, you know, the professional footy player? Um, no, it's for, it's for anyone really. Podiatrists see a wide range of clients from, from elderly, um, even really old, you know, 90 year old people that have musculoskeletal conditions. They can benefit from strength training and and exercise oh yeah i kind of niched down just to athletes but actually this is yeah yeah anybody who's like i can't walk to the bathroom anymore oh well we should probably work on that as a goal yes yes 100 percent. yeah so the the course is aimed for practitioners to be able to apply these skills to whoever they work with yeah my head really got tuned into like sports and athletes and things like that and i kind of completely forgot You're like yeah bunions 
That could be just the 40-year-old who's been wearing high heels for the last 20 years to work and now has problems. And what do you do with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I enjoy seeing clients of all sort of demographics and all, all age groups. I particularly enjoy, um, obviously, similar age clients to me, like, you know, 25, sporty, playing footy and that sort of thing because uh, I can relate to them. Uh, I do enjoy working with all, all clientele, all ages. So, Were you good at footy? <laughs> um, not good enough to make professional or anything like that, but um, I, re- I really, really enjoy it and still always strive for my best. So still playing these days. It's good. Good. Yeah, it's not. A, I've seen the videos. I played a little bit. It is not for the weak of heart. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Australian, Australian football? You've seen Australian football? Yeah. You know, in Denver, America actually has a whole league. Yeah. And in Denver, they were the top dogs for... I don't know. I think they've won five or six gold championships or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I, I, I kick myself. I've said this story a long time ago. And so, yeah, I almost I, I was playing and I was just starting my chiropractic clinic. And during one of the practices, they had went somewhere for a game and they came back and one guy like dislocated his elbow and somebody hurt his knee. I started thinking about this. And I was like, you know, I'm enjoying practice, but I just don't know if I should take it to that next level and play in a bunch of games. Because if I hurt myself in my first year in practice, that could be really a bad situation, you know, financially and everything. Yeah. And so I kind of took a step back and they ended up winning the, the first place in the tournament. And I could have been like, yeah, championship athlete right here. But instead, <laughs> it, I just played for a while. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm sure we're at, our league is not as intense as you guys. We would never make it to your professional level, but uh, there's people out there. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. All right. Maybe let's pretend that the coronavirus is not around. And yeah. What would you do normally for a homework-life balance? And then you can bridge that also into uh, if you have a significant other, what have you learned so far to keep those relationships healthy? Work-life balance is a is a um I think it's a very self-awareness thing again. So if you if you really enjoy what you do, then you don't really consider you know, it's that old cliche, like you don't really consider your work as work, like you'd be happy to continue studying and, and I enjoy continuing to study and, and produce content and, and do what I do outside of work. And, but I don't see that as affecting my work life balance because I, because I really enjoy it. So um, it's almost like a hobby to me as well. But in, in order to maintain relationships and things like that, like with my partner, we, we have a, a couple of scheduled like nights or days per week where we, where we don't do anything, but, but hang out together so we have like a, a Wednesday night date night um, where we go out and um, yeah nothing else matters on that on that night and um, we have like one day on the weekend where it's dedicated to just hanging out and go for a walk or whatever, whatever you want to do on that day uh, yeah I think scheduling so having having a good um, time blocked sort of dedicated time is, is the most important thing to maintaining a good work-life balance and then um, I think knowing when when to switch off so and and for how long to switch off for so like I'm, I'm very good at going all in on everything i do so so when i go when i go all in on my um on my work like i'm very focused and and i enjoy doing it and i could i could work like that for a whole week but want to have a break or have time off i go all in on that break and time off like i i fully completely switch off and just fully relax and have a few beers and um and watch the watch footy or a movie or something like just being able to go all in i think is the the most important thing okay yeah and sometimes you just can't do that every day like the other person needs something from us you know and it's like but i had a plan okay all right i'm gonna have to pause on this for a little while take care of the partner's needs and then maybe that night i can get back into it at least for me personally and you know it's like for the podcast it takes a lot of time but it's not like i get a uh 
ton of sponsorships or anything like that to where I'm on a, an official deadline. So sometimes I'm like, all right, I'll just have to hang up my podcast hat today or yeah. just all these little projects that I have and just spend time with the wife and the child, which is what I try to do anyway you know, up until she goes to bed. So, yeah, yeah, different days, different strokes. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just block the time out, I think, and just, just stick, stick to that. Yeah. At, 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 a, at a minimum, at least have a minimum blocked out time slot. I've talked about this for the minisodes, and this is more for the audience than yourself. But uh, there's a technique called Pomodoro. Have you heard of that? Never. It's kind of like a 25 minutes. You focus on some task, and then you take like a five minute break, and then you do that four times in a row, and then you can have like a nice 30 minute to you know, 30 minute break. You know, kind of, mm-hmm. and you can like switch task each time. Yeah. Because a lot of us, I'm sure yourself, you could man, you you got so many sticks in the fire or fires in the sticks, whatever it's called. And <laughs> you're like, man, I got a lot to do. If I just focus on this one thing, then nothing really gets done because it just takes a little bit of time. So it's a way to cover lots of topics mm. in one evening or in one day. So you always are making progress. And maybe in two weeks, you know, the project's finished versus two months down the road, you still haven't got to it yet because something else popped up, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think um, I think having it again, having a schedule really helps with that. So I, I've dedicated like days to the different sort of projects I'm working on and and different um, different clinics and different different businesses and that that on those days I'm just all in on that and don't worry about the other ones for that day. And then yeah, I love it. Just having it planned. You can also get like apps on your phone that like shut off your your phone and they like plant a tree for you. Have you seen that? It's called Forest. You, if you download an app called Forest, um, you you set a timer, so two hours, three hours, one hour, whatever, um, and then you you're not allowed to touch your phone for that for that period of time. And you can see on your phone that the the tree is growing. And then if they if it gets to the end of it without you touching your phone and without closing the app, then they actually plant a tree for you somewhere in the world. <laughs> oh, you see. Oh, that's a nice thing. That's better than just shutting off your social media for an hour and yeah. locking your phone and being frustrated. Yeah. So you're being you're being productive by not um, playing around on your phone, but you're also um, helping the environment, I guess. <laughs> it's only, only that should have a whole bunch of these recyclable people, yeah. all these green earth people. That should be very good for them. Great. <laughs> Called forest. We'll have to look into that. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Lastly, any any favorite books? blogs or podcasts or youtube channels for that matter that you find yourself listening to watching and think other people should tune in yeah i really i really prefer um podcasts as opposed to books so there's a few that i listen to because i drive an hour to work so um an an hour there and back so plenty of time for podcasts so i've got you know i'm a big fan of gary vaynerchuk gary v audio experience also tyson franklin's podiatry legends podcast was a good one yeah it's it's a podcast on um just podiatry and all different podiatrists um doing interviews uh or conversations similar to similar to this one he was on my show by the way i was on his show and he was on my show so it's great tyson franklin guys were you were you on the um the it's no secret with dr t is that the one yeah yeah correct cool cool so so i'm um, i'm working my way through that one now as well i've only i've only just discovered that one so i'll listen to your episode next He, he always says his podiatry book – no, he says his business book is better than his podiatry book, but his podiatry book sells more because it's such a niche. Yes. I was like, very interesting there, Dr. Tyson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's one book I've read, The, the Greatness Guide. It's by Robin Sharma. Um, is, I've got it in here in front of me. It's a, Yeah, I think he's from the US, and it's, yeah, it's called The Greatness Guide. It's 100, 101 Lessons for Making What's Good at Work and in Life Even Better. 
sort of like my new grad tips. I'm trying to develop a hundred of them um, similar to this guy's book because this book was really, really helpful to me. My my mentor, Daniel, gave it to me as, as a gift and it was, it's been really good. Well, that should definitely help you find some topics to talk about. <laughs> yeah. We've been- Repackage some. Uh, yeah, that's great. Oh, and how can people get in touch with you? Any websites, emails, etc.? Yeah, so my email address is um, jacksontisdell at gmail.com. Also, just LinkedIn. Message me on LinkedIn. That's my biggest sort of platform that I'm most active on. You know, happy for people to add me on Facebook and stuff like that as well. No dramas. Very good. Thank you so much for being on the show and giving us some information, some things to think about. I really do hope that the kinetic therapies takes off for you as well as the uh, mentoring and everything. So uh, really excited to see where you go and it's fun. It's a weird thing, but seeing some of the past guests and where they go over the like the last year or two, it's been really awesome. So I look forward to following you and, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Yeah, thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. Hope we'll have to I'll have to come back on the show at a later date. It was really good. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the No Needle Acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone, Edge, or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kinds come together to help you shine. So sit back, take it in, and it's great.